You know who this is. Welcome to the Pure Individual Podcast. On this episode of the Pure Individual Podcast, we have Amy Lee as a guest. She has been part of my process for probably longer than anybody. I think Amy has, has known me and human design longer than anybody. So I'm very grateful and glad to have her here today to share her wisdom. Thanks, Amy, for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've been, it's, it's interesting to think about because you gave me my foundation reading. So you've, you've known me since I was a baby projector. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know me since I was a baby projector. Mm-hmm. I'm really grateful to have somebody that's been as part, you know, part of my process for this long. Um, especially you're a five one. So we have some karma. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But, Everywhere I go. Yeah. Karma. karma. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing a lot of teaching lately. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know, you know, as somebody that's that's a five and a five and a five, right? You have you're you're, you're pure five pretty much. Mm-hmm. What that process is like. For you as a five one with gut motivation probability view. Mm. Yeah, I think I think actually the first line affected me the most when I first came into human design mm-hmm. because I knew pretty quickly that it was something that I was enthusiastic about, and then I could see there was really something to it. Mm-hmm. But I definitely didn't feel super secure in. Right. Getting out there with it for a long time. I mean, it's amazing to me now to see how many people uh, can just kind of dive in and go straight into transmitting. And Mm -hmm. that took me a while. I mean, I did it. I was in a two, four Saturn return influence when I found human design. So it was a time in my life that was, I, I knew I had a sense of my five, one nature, but I was in a, in a, time of my life where my life was very small. It was very contained. It was like my family. I had been doing a lot of therapy training and workshops and I had a pretty tight network of friends. And most of my initial exploration of design was just with the handful of projectors that were my closest friends and my sister, who's also a mental projector. And I spent a long time kind of getting secure in the knowledge through my own experience. And I collected every chart I could get my hands on, (laughs) try to really study people and find out. And then it became fun because one-on-one I ended up experimenting a lot with how to talk about it. You know, when I first started using it, I was working with people in a kind of a counseling setting. And for the people that were open to it, I would get their birth information if I could. And I would not really tell them much about human design at all, but I would try to treat them according to their design. And I would try to make contact with things that were coming up in session that seemed to be reflective of their nature in terms of design as a way of kind of testing it out and see if it would resonate with them. Right. Most times it really did. And I really could see things like with generators being able to ask a very specific question and feel the energy in them either kind of respond and and bring something forward or or go kind of flat and have no response. So I learned a lot about the generator. 
process that way. And then with my fellow projectors, I just got to really jam out. I mean, <laughs> I, um, you know, we would sit around and kind of look at people we knew in common or look at our, look at the history we knew about each other or the family right. members that we had heard each other talk about so much and, and just jam out on it for a long time. So it really wasn't until I had kind of given up on a lot of other things that I decided to study human design more really for myself. It was probably the first time that I started studying something without an aim necessary right. or a goal. I was just right. like, let me just, let me just go deeper in this and have some structure. And it was helpful to me to have some structure. Mm -hmm. So then when it finally came time where I felt like there was a real invitation, there was a real opening and there was some real energetic support for me to actually start teaching. I really felt very grateful to have that avenue as a way of being able to externalize my awareness, you know, mm -hmm. be able to also provide some structure for other people because I found having some structure really helpful for me. Right. So that five, one kind of get to the foundation, build a structure, 4323, translate, mm -hmm. uh, find a way to universalize it, make it as accessible to as many people as possible. And I find that when I'm teaching, even though now in classes, we have such a range of people all the time. Right. It's like such a huge range. And we have a fair number of people who will take classes multiple times. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting range to be working with. And it's a it's kind of a fun challenge, I think, as a teacher to figure out how to transmit something that'll be applicable across the board. And I know personally, there are certain things that I can hear, especially at the surface, that I right. can just be reminded of over and over and over and over and over again. And um, But I do find that my attention tends to go to the newest people. Right. And it's like, it's most important to me that like, I, I trust once somebody's caught the bug, they're going to carry themselves along. But mm -hmm. for me, I really find that when I'm teaching, that's where my, that's where my focus tends to go to make sure that people that are brand new to it aren't getting lost in the, right. in the shuffle process. Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. I, I think I kind of always, <laughs> when I think of, when I think of five ones, I always, yeah, I th think of five one living their profile. And when I talk to five ones, I'm always, you, know, you feel insecure? Yeah. Okay. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, you feel like you're going to, you feel like you're ready to jump. Mm, might want to rethink it. Anytime that a, that a five one is like unsure, they don't know they don't, you know, it, for me, it always just screams at their, they're correct in wanting their foundation before they move forward. Mm -hmm. So I always, when I work with five ones, I always let them know that the longer process is very much a nurturing thing for a five one. I think mm -hmm. on a personality level, you know, it's mm -hmm. not, it's not about going fast and it's very, you know, for me it's very different as, as a two four. I mean, it doesn't need a foundation. It's just it's gifts. Right. It's just, I'm, I'm relying on my gifts is very different. I can go and, and I can use my gifts and I can hop right in as long as it's correct for me. But for a five, one, it's very much nurturing for you to go through that process. I think mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting for me. It's a, it's a really interesting duality to watch for me profile wise, mm -hmm. but the, 
the ability for the five one to universalize after the foundation is there is really remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really powerful piece of advice that I got early on, which was probably from one of the first people I worked with. And he was like, don't, don't read or teach outside your depth, you mm-hmm. know, as a five one, like stay in your, stay in your depth. And that's where the magic is. That's where the essential pieces are that we can really get across to people. So that, that always felt natural to me. And I had had lots of experiences when I was younger of being, you know, of people seeing my, you know, projected <laughs> yeah. kind of splendor, what everything yeah. that could be and would really yeah. push me to like, get out front, get out front, get out front. And, you know, got myself in some uncomfortable situations from that and places where as soon as I really realized how insecure I actually felt, even if I was trying to like prove myself, push myself, meet the expectations and it would get to a point where I'd recognize, no, this, I can't do this. I can't actually get this across with the level of authority that I know is possible inside myself. So I can't do it. And I left a lot of things because of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are some really important experiences to have. I mean, awareness wise. Mm -hmm have those experiences before mm-hmm. it's, it's something that's really interesting that i've found is how many experiences we'll have that it's almost like they lead up to very much lead up to us coming into design and then us shifting into whatever area we end up you know working in mm-hmm. and it, it was something that really stood out to me in my process was looking back and I'm like, Oh, I did this before design. I did this, I did this. And all of these things prepared me for where I am now. Mm-hmm. The amount of teaching, the amount of, of spiritual counsel, all of those things that I gave before I came into design, it really prepared me. That's something that I, that I see myself and then, you know, my colleagues that a lot of, you know, this, it's the, you know, this is more the mystical process, right. Of, of geometry of things being set into motion before we realize they're set into motion. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Timing. Yeah. That was also one of the first things I got from the first reading I had. Um, the analyst said, you know, I think it was the, one of the first things she said was, wow, timing's everything for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really know what she meant when she said that. It took me a, a while to figure that out. And it took me a long time to deeply recognize how much more time I wanted out of almost every experience I, I had had up to that point, you know? Right. Um, yeah, it's a good piece of advice. On, on timing, when it came to your authority, learning your authority, as a process authority, was that something, what was that experience like? Was that something that kind of shook you up a little bit on the timing or was it something that gave you some comfort? I think it felt very natural. It took me, it often took me a long time to process things and I found myself naturally before I knew about sounding board, I, I always had my, I never had a ton of acquaintance friends that I could keep up with. 
but I always had a pretty solid crew of interior people that I would talk through thing, anything of any significance uh, that I would talk through a lot. And I used to pathologize it and think, why do I seem to need to keep talking about the same thing with this person and then this person and this person? Is there something wrong with me? And mm -hmm. so when I learned about that, it was actually, uh, it was actually a relief. It was like, oh yeah, that's what, that's what I already naturally am drawn to do. It's what I seem to be doing anyway, you know? My favorite thing in the world was to be up in the middle of the night with, you know, one or two close, close people just jamming on everything, yeah. <laughs> talking through everything, you know, and that's really not some people's jam at all. <laughs> I mean, that is a lot of people don't need that at all. Or yeah. on it, you know? Yeah. A lot of, yeah, it's, it's, it's such an interesting process speaking things out. I mean, I don't even, mm -hmm. it's not my authority, but you know me, mm -hmm. I have to self-project for quite some time to get to hearing my, you know, hearing my I cans and my I ams, hearing the voices of my throat, for my solar plexus to, to process what's going on for me, to really process everything that's going on for me. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't, <laughs> you definitely can't have everybody in your life be there for you like that. And sometimes, you know, and sometimes it, it has to it has to be very specific. Like I know I've, I've come to you before because you're a pure individual. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it has to be very specific to who we end up speaking with, and so it can be. You know, I wouldn't say that it can be difficult, but it's definitely something that I think you know, mental projectors and projectors with self-projected channels. I think it's really important to kind of take inventory of the people that you have in your life that you can go through that process with. Mm -hmm. I know that for me as, as an emotional projector, it's a wide split with self-projected channels that the people that I have the most emotional intimacy with are those that I can self-project to, mm -hmm. that I can talk out my process and I can move through whatever emotions I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Do you find it hard to articulate the emotion? Hmm. No, no, not necessarily. I mean, sometimes I think one of the troubles with emoting is, is the pressure to emote, which is this very in-between place of needing to feel intense emotion where it's like, I would feel anything right now if I could, but there's still, you know, it's almost like when, when Ra describes the flat wave, Mm -hmm. 2027 flat wave that's almost what the pre I think the pressure to emote very much feels like because it's like I there's something that's there but it's not one of my extremes and it's mm -hmm. not necessarily my regular melancholy that I'm in uh, and I think that's when it gets very difficult because it's like I just want to cry I just want to you know I just want to feel something but it's not that I'm not feeling anything. It's not that I'm that I'm numb. There's still something that's there, but it's completely indescribable chemistry-wise. I, mm. I don't think that we have the the nine-centered language for it necessarily. Mm -hmm. I think that's when it's very that's when it's very difficult. And usually, that's like right when I'm about to explode in some way, shape, or form. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think I think that. But yeah, it's I I describe emoting very much as as it's very much pleasure and pain. And melancholy for me it's there's very much three frequencies for it mm -hmm. 
melancholy and got my pleasure and I got my pain. Yes, the high also has the joy, but uh, it's so rare. It's so mm -hmm. rare to go into a high with emoting. It's mm -hmm. yeah, maybe 10% of my life or something like that. And even then it's like, it's pretty fucking scary because I'm like, ooh, I'm on the very top of the roller coaster. This is where all the bad things can happen, you know? <laughs> this is where I can really get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah this, is where I, this is where I make my worst decisions. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't... I, yeah, if I was to really break down and articulate the emotion, I could come up with different ways to describe it but i think at the at the very core it's very much pleasure pain and melancholy mm -hmm. for me at least yeah makes sense yeah. i do have a very isolated solar plexus though i mean I just have i don't have anything hanging it's completely isolated and then i'm 35 so i don't have very much interference it's pretty mm -hmm. consistent in that sense so right. that's why sort of there or not right yeah I think it's one of the most important things about individuality, especially in the knowing circuit, mm -hmm. to get okay with the, there's nothing here. There's <laughs> yeah. just nothing. nothing. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I feel. I don't know what I think. I don't know about this thing. I don't know. There's just, it's empty. Yeah. You have to be okay with the with uncertainty principle. For me, uncertainty principle is really one of the most liberating things for me. I think was was understanding the pulse. Like, that's all I know. All I know is the pulse. I don't know anything else. That's it. I know the pulse. If it comes, it comes, and it, you know, but inevitably it's going to come. And whenever it comes, it's going to be something powerful. Usually, mm. and whatever that is that I have to put out, I put out, yeah, and it's. There is the piece of, of overcoming, you know, the not self when the pulse comes though, I think, at least for me in my process of, okay, I'm being moved to do this. You know, my not self mind getting in the way and, you know, you really get in the way in the past, like, oh, but what about this? What about, you know, and, I, and now it's just, I just move forward and I sometimes I just grin and bear whatever is going on for me mentally and, and I, I express whatever I need to express. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think that for any of us, there's very much fulfillment without the mutation of others. I really don't. Uh, not, in, not in the truest sense. I think that, yeah, we could experience our signature, um, but there's something to empowerment there's something to mutation to bringing that to being the person that that, mm. that brings that that's correct enough for the mutative process to happen there's a fulfillment there that i don't think pure individuals experience any other way that's just the way mm -hmm. that i see things personally yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense to me i mean as deaf as i can be and fixed <laughs> in my own <laughs> in my own view um there have been many times in my life where someone has said something or I've heard something that just hit me. And not only did it reach me and touch me in some way, but it almost always sparks my own creativity in that moment. It's like, 
I'm receiving something that somebody else knows and I recognize there's truth in it and it's resonating in my mm -hmm. whole system. And then that resonance in a way is like, and my system has something to say back to it. Yeah. And that's, I, I don't know that I've had, I'd have access to so much that's inside of me if right. I was getting that. Touch right. Point. Yeah. It's, you know, in, in the context in cosmology, even that profile purpose function, when we're looking at the color underneath our profile, and what you know kind of what our actual profile is and then if we know somebody else's like i know for me messenger prophet a two-four that's a messenger prophet i know that my fifth color body when i'm talking to you it's just buzzing like i can feel underneath that that is you know that's just buzzing and my you know, fourth color personality it's like buzzing it's your first line body like they, you can feel that happening and i think it's interesting when I when I contemplate how many times do I get hit with the truth out in the world or listening to something or listening to a song or something like that and it's because that person has that underneath you know mm -hmm. they have the color underneath they have the the profile resonance or harmony and that's hitting me because we can't fulfill what we're here to fulfill without somebody else bringing that harmony and resonance that's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a chain reaction right yep. mm -hmm. yeah that's a it's a really it's a beautiful thought for me to contemplate yeah yeah it's probably the most precious experience for me in my life to get mm -hmm. to feel that you know and the the not always knowing where or when it's gonna come you know or who's gonna deliver it or how and there have been many things that i've listened to Actually, there've been a lot of things that I haven't been able to listen to and human design has been very much like that for me. There've been mm -hmm. aspects of the information that I can look at and I know I can take it in mentally and I know I can synthesize right. it intellectually and that's fine. But there are certain moments when, even if it's something I've heard before, when it hits me at the right time, it's just going to open right. something, you know, totally open something up. And suddenly I got a whole stream of awareness. Mm -hmm flying through and that's just like so exciting so yeah. so fun yeah yeah really really cool when that happens and like you said it makes it seem like you know empowerment needs empowerment you know mm -hmm. yeah. yeah 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 we do you know we do learn that we individuals do need to receive mutual empowerment it's like a something that we have to have in some way shape or form it's kind of it's it's interesting being being beings that are among but not a part of, and yet we rely on each other in whatever interactions happen in our lives to give us the empowerment that we need to empower others. Because there's so much about being an individual that is, it's interesting being an individual because it's service to the whole. And people think about individuality and they think that it's, yes, we have this, this this selfishness that you have to have when you're an individual. You, you have to, you know, be in in your own definition, be in who you are in order to withstand the world in a sense. And yet, the individual is always in service to the tribe and the collective, and to the whole to bring mutation to advance consciousness. And I think that I think that's something that as individuals. At least I know in my own process, it's very difficult to express 
because we are so, you know, we are so deaf and we are so closed off in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. We don't show weakness. We don't show, there's all these things that we just naturally inherently, we're not going to show, we're not going to share. Uh, I know that for me, it wasn't until pretty recently in my process, maybe like over the past like year that I even know how to express that that was what was going on, that I was in service to the whole. Mm -hmm. I, for, for whatever reason, I did not know how to express it mm -hmm. uh, for the past few years. Mm -hmm. What's well, interesting that your Sun Earth is in collective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a, you've got a forced marriage there. Yeah. <laughs> forced marriage. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's very, you know, everything going through, through cycles, the cyclical abstract process for me, especially mm -hmm. somebody that's all right. You know, that is, so that is also very cyclical and, and abstract and experiential. And so it's been really good to put those pieces together as somebody that has to close cycles to move forward in anything <laughs> across the Maya 42. It's been, and I think it's given me a lot more understanding for the the collective process, but especially the the experiential collective process of, of you know, of, of experience of going through the experiences and just, you know, based off my son and knowing that I need to go through a cyclical process in order to, to move forward in things in life. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've got the 42 also, and I have, all the gates of my cross and my nodes are individual gates except for the 62. So I, I've just got mm -hmm. that one collective gate, but everything else is, mm -hmm. uh, is individual. And, and I, I learned as well that as soon as I would join something, you know, if I was invited into something, a teaching a certain mm -hmm. kind of group that was meeting for some kind of purpose, I started to see the, the pattern where once I showed up, if I was really recognized, and able to participate at all the whole thing's going to change it's like the thing's gonna something's gonna end something's gonna shift somebody's gonna leave somebody new's gonna come the mm -hmm. format's gonna change the structure's gonna change something's it's i and i learned that if i had the expectation oh i want i'm gonna join this thing and now I'm going to get to be part of this thing. It's like, no, <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to join this thing. And then you're going to be part of something different, <laughs> which is a funny process. Yeah. Yeah. Is I think I, I learned it when I was younger before I even could really you know, conceptualize my emotional wave. But I learned when I was younger that any room that I walked into, everything changed. Mm. Cause my emotional system, any room that I, that I walked into, and now I have the, now I have the intellectual and cellular knowledge of, of, of what's going on and what's, and what's happening, but it is always interesting to see that nothing ever necessarily happens the way that my mind would think that it's going to, you know, I walk in a room and I'm melancholic and I think, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going into this melancholic, but my authority's not changing, you know, it's not. It's not saying, Brayden, it's time to withdraw and go and be in your melancholy. It's still moving me and something ends up happening. Mm -hmm. And it ends up having a result that like I enjoy that, I, you know, that I'm that, and or maybe I'm melancholic and 
uh, things get hectic, you know, and that, and that's just the movie because that's whatever that person was supposed to feel from my wave. That was what was supposed to happen. That was the experience that was supposed to happen. Um, it's yeah. It, it, as far as being mutated for me and being emotional, I've, I've had to learn to just face things head on because it's very easy with the emotional system like mine that being purely mutative that you can want to shy away from social interaction even when your authority is not moving you to to shy away from social interaction because there are times where my authority is like you know you're staying here you're not going anywhere you know your emotional system is too gnarly right now it doesn't the way that it feels to you is pretty normal but everybody else is going to feel like adrenalized <laughs> pain and all sorts of gnarly stuff right so there's those points, but I think one of the biggest lessons for me is, has been to accept form principle and go where I need to go, mm -hmm. regardless of how I'm feeling, if, if I'm being moved to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can relate to that in terms of if I'm in a melancholy state and oftentimes when I'm in that state, my body, like my system, everything that I have below the throat just wants space, wants spaciousness. Yeah. It doesn't want to be filled up. Like the emptiness is calling. So, mm -hmm. and I, I really learned that, you know, that makes people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's, and, and then I get pretty bitter pretty fast if I'm in that state and I'm getting filled up, I'm like resenting people for having any definition at all. <laughs> like, how dare you have energy in my presence? I am empty right now. <laughs> how dare you have a feeling? How, how dare you have a drive? How dare you have an identity? Put that thing away. <laughs> yeah, and then everybody can feel your very powerful mental system. <laughs> right yeah. yeah they could they nasty. could mm -hmm. yeah they could mm -hmm. yeah near five fives are nasty, <laughs> they, nasty. Can, <laughs> they can they can feel that oh, that yeah that totally makes sense i mean also mental projectors are tenacious i don't know what other word to describe mental projectors with in, in a sense mental projectors to, to me and i've worked with a lot of mental projectors you're very tenacious as, as a subtype Mm -hmm. Very intense. Mm -hmm. as a subtype. Mm -hmm. so I could definitely see that. Yeah, yeah. Self-projected projectors too. I've I've noticed so, as well. Very intense. Also. You know, very yeah. intense voice. Um, yeah, I think it was helpful to me when some. When, I think it was probably a Locke who said, you know, forty-three twenty-three is the mental struggler. It's the mental version of a twenty-eight thirty-eight. It's stubborn. Mm -hmm. You know, it's stubborn, yeah. it's tenacious, it's sharp, it's, um, you know, it can fight. It can fight mentally, <laughs> you know, yeah. strong, for sure. Yes, I can. Yeah, I grew up, my mom's a 4323. I grew up in that energy. Mm -hmm. And it is, it, you know, it's, it's more than just the... It's more than just the speed. There's there's something destructuring that is that is sharp. 
mm-hmm. is is very precise mm-hmm. in my experiences. It's a very precise piece of life force. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why timing and invitation is such an important thing with that channel. Mm-hmm. And I see it a lot in people who have a lot of individuality who are struggling with, you know, how, how do I be myself and still be in relationship and why can't I be myself in these certain settings? And there's all this, meet all this resistance. And it's like, you're a mutative force. Not everybody wants to experience that, you know, when they're having dinner or when they're, you know, just trying to get through their work day, they don't necessarily want to be mutated by your knowing, right? you know, over coffee. Like it's might not be the right time for them. So yeah, it's a, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. And it's never, it's for me so much. Yes, it's, it is what I say. Like, I know that as an A1 projector, I know that every time that I say something, I'm putting something into somebody. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, mm-hmm. I, every time I say something, I'm putting something into somebody. I was, it's actually, it was a, just another A1 projector, pure individual, single channel that I was, having a conversation with talking about how we we don't speak when we're melancholic like when we're too melancholic it's like I lose my voice and so that's what I'll say is I've lost my voice to melancholy and it's I think it's very much a a mechanism for I'm not putting this into anybody else Mm -hmm. I'm not putting this into anybody else and so I'll you know if, if if I'm in that place I'll always reschedule my sessions reschedule my classes, reschedule anything, because I'm not going to put that into somebody else. It's not like it's really working anyways, in a form principle sense, you know, I could if uh, I'm making a mental decision, but it, for me, that realization that that's when I don't speak, can give me an idea of how, how powerful a mutative throat center can be, mm. you know, that mm-hmm. comes to the other. Yeah. True. Yes. Does as a 4323, do you ever feel like melancholy kind of shuts things off for you at all? It will definitely shut things off in relation to myself. So if I'm in a melancholy state and somebody in my personal life is asking me about myself or wants to interact with me in some way and wants to hear from me in a personal way, I can relate to what you said. It, it can feel like I've, I don't have a voice. I don't, right. I don't have a voice for myself right now. Right. I definitely don't have a voice to interact with you about myself and receive your feedback about it in any right. way. Um, but in terms of reading or even teaching, mm-hmm. I mean, there are times it shocks me. I can walk into a session or a class and mm-hmm not be in a very great state with myself before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But as soon as I can plug into some whatever's in front of me, you know, everything that's open down here, I feel like can can receive and that outer authority can pretty much always be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't always have something to say about every question that gets put to me or everything that somebody else might want to talk about. But as soon as I can feel into somebody else's design, or as soon as I can feel into a class, um, 
that thing can pretty much always talk yeah. for me. As, as long as it's not about me. As long as it's not always about me. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If, if it's not, if it's not the personal interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Which is really like the, the shutdown of the first line body for me is very real. Like when that, mm. when that introspection kicks in and it's like, I'm insecure. Something is not right for me. I'm digesting something. That is a very closed process. That is like, get out get away from me i don't have mm-hmm. this is not open to anyone yeah. yeah you know until it is but it's it's very i've seen it in personal relationship i think it can be it can be shocking it can really trigger people's abandonment very easily right. they people can feel very abandoned by that and i you know have had to work with that and still work with that you know being able to navigate that in relationship personally right yeah, no, that that makes sense. I think in projectors as a whole, introspection can be that can be a trip for us. And I think as first line, you know, for a first line, if you're first line, that's it's a it's a built in, it's built in, and so navigating that as a type, you know, as a first line projector, I think it definitely takes some extra practice and extra experience to deal with in a way that doesn't overwhelm doesn't overwhelm you and overwhelm the people around you probably mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I think I can relate to that in a sense as a second line in the the process of shutting down uh, it, you know it's if people are either inside my barrier or they're outside at least when it comes to relationships right and Mm -hmm. i don't choose who comes in my barrier it's a frequency thing either they're in it or they're out either i trust them or i don't and the moment that 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 fourth line foundation trust is broken and they're outside of my barrier i'm just the walls are up and i'm shut like i'm just shut down and then i've got to the, I think the most difficult thing for me to learn to navigate was the internalized projection. Because a lot of times that that, that, that happens, there's usually a negative projection that's, that's associated and that's what breaks the trust. I mean, is that a negative projection is associated because one, you know, it's fives get punished by the world, twos punish themselves hmm. projection wise. And so I've had to navigate the, okay, yeah, they're outside of my barrier. I'm shutting down. Let's not internalize this. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most that I could I could really mm. relate to a process like yours. Mm. It's not funny way to deal with <clears throat> to deal with the difficult process where you're you're shutting people out. Uh, you're you know withdrawing and not losing sight of that relationship or losing sight of of yourself i think that i don't know what it's like for everybody but i think that we can as lines of projection that are projectors i think we can really lose sight of ourselves Mm -hmm. because of our projection builds Mm -hmm. yeah 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 yeah, I think there there are some aspects of my frequency that I 
I can't really experience with anybody else. It's, mm -hmm. it's very solitary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that, do you, do you have like a kind of an, your own aloneness process for that? Um, yeah, I think when I sense that, then I know I'm kind of not fit for human consumption is what I will usually yeah. say about it. It's like, and, um, you know, I'm a pretty, I'm not a super routine oriented person by nature at all. So it's very, it's the, it's the material forces and relationships I have in my life that stabilize anything for me. I don't, <laughs> I don't really have, if I were on my own, I'm not sure. And I mean, if I were really, when I'm really on my own, I have no idea. I could, I could float away to God knows where. So <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's not very predictable, but I do have certain spaces I can be in with myself and know when I need to just go there and it's, it's usually like, you know, in bed with the piles of like books or things to listen to or things to write on or, you know, and it becomes just sort of a collage of wherever I get moved to, to hang out with myself, you know, and be in, but the spaciousness is a really big deal because I can very easily get filled up with anything, you know, I mean, I can just, you know, even, even if some part of me is like checked out, I can just. I can, I can float along. I got flexibility, you know, I can like yeah, yeah, float yeah. along all kinds of places. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Happen very easily. Like there's mm -hmm. a, um, John, John has a joke about me. Sometimes he'll say, um, he's like, sometimes I worry you're like a kid at the mall. <laughs> like <laughs> like kind of anything could float by and it's be like, there's a balloon. Oh, there's a kitty. Oh, there's a, <laughs> there's a white van. Who knows? <laughs> like, what, what's going on here? Where, where might you float away to? Um, but, you know, it is a big deconditioning process for me. I think with the open G center to, to learn to enjoy being lost. Mm. And that's a real, that's a real pleasure for me sometimes to just get lost for a while. And uh, I remember seeing that line in a movie one time, there was like a lot of intensity going on in some family and the matriarch of the family turned to her son who was middle-aged and said, you need to get out of here and go get lost. Like go yeah. get lost somewhere. You need to go get lost so you can find yourself, you know? Right. And I, I really relate to that. Right. Mm. I think that's really, I think that's really important for Zen Fan G. Mm -hmm. It's so, you know, so often on the Fan G, it's like the people that you're around, you're, 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 you're jumping into their trip. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's, yeah. I see it from, from myself as you know, somebody with a, an isolated defined G, you know, two self projected channels. I see undefined Gs when they're around me, they're very much coming along for my trip. And I think probably for somebody with NFNG to release the expectations and get lost in it, but not attach to it, right? To not attach to to that, I think is so key. Because I think it's very probably very difficult for you know when we're looking at it from a personality level, the way that NFNG functions, it's true self, not self, like very important to not attach to it. So I think that's a really mm -hmm. great piece of wisdom for for anybody that's, that's listening that has undefined G to 
to implement. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's pleasurable too, to, um, like we, I think we can get really, uh, <laughs> we can get lost in somebody else's ride, you know, mm-hmm. and then yeah. you can, you can be that other kind of lost, which is, right. which is very different. Right. Very different. And so to not be attached is like, to be able to enjoy the space. And Mm -hmm. that's really, really a pleasure. I think when we get over the anxiety of who am I, who am I without this person? Who am I without this role? Who am I, if this changes, if this goes away, it's very different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's huge. That's something that is, that's something that's huge for, Mm -hmm. And how many projectors have undefined cheese? <laughs> right? That's right. a lot a lot of a lot of a lot of projectors have undefined G's. Mm-hmm. And there's just when there's so much openness. Yeah, there's so much openness too on top of the undefined G's and so you know how many there's so many projectors that are two cha- you know, two centers defined, mm-hmm. maybe three centers defined. Mm-hmm. Uh, so taking all of that in and, and then, you know, the other, but not attaching to it, I think is so crucial. You know, in my, and then there's, you know, there's also the wisdom of the openness of what it feels like. You know, what, what does it, what does it feel like? I know for me, having completely open Ajna, I don't take in the fixed conditioning. And so I'm very much able to to feel what the mental definition is like and the health of the mental definition when I go into somebody's field that has defined mental system. And I can I can very much oh I can I can feel the way that they're thinking and I can really enjoy that that process. And mm-hmm. I can really enjoy getting a a flavor of the logical collective process or, you know, I can I can enjoy that um, and come out of it. And that not be, you know, I still have the plasticity of my completely open action. I, could, you know, I still can think all of these different ways, not attached to anything, but I can pick up, uh, I can pick up from their definition the way that they think. Yeah. Trying to aim she's channel of acceptance. And I'm a 62, so it just compromises me. But it's really cool to be an aura because I can feel all the organizational, all the patterns, like I can feel all that. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Especially, you know, it's like, oh, this is different. It's the same, like when I'm in aura with you, I'm a 61. Yeah. And so I plug into you and all of a sudden I've got all this mental definition and I can feel everything start to get structured together instead of, instead of, you know, it's not that I'm all over the place that I have the plasticity of, of my thought process with that, all that openness imagine but all of a sudden things get structured together and that's a different experience mm-hmm. um, there's a lot there's a lot of beauty to openness that yeah. you know, everybody has their own process and their own timing of, of what they are going to experience and what receptors they have there but um i think it's something that when somebody gets to the there's a, a serious appreci- appreciation there for it, especially for, for our type, especially when you're absorbing other people and you're reading into and 
for me, it's my ego center and my imagine are completely open as I am, am able to pick up a lot health-wise and guidance-wise when somebody has defined ego or mental definitions, like I can pick up a lot. I can actually do a lot of work there. There's a place where I, I know I can do a lot of work on. And so often we, you know, we can very much get caught up in being concerned about our not self behaviors, I think, and losing, seeing the beauty of our openness and where that can benefit us. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, of mm -hmm. course there's a duality there, but I don't think that's something that's, I think that's something that's talked about enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's what I was getting a pretty big download about last night. I was, um, really? night, yeah. And I was really, it, I mean, I say this all the time in classes, but it really, really trips me out about human design, the way it just feels like this spiral that goes deeper and deeper. And there are certain concepts and there are certain recognitions that can happen. And then, and it's very obvious and it's very known. And then there are these, these certain moments where it just, it goes a layer deeper and it's like, holy shit, like this is really... This is really wild. So I was really tripping out on the open centers last night. And the difference between the pure perception that is possible through that openness, especially maybe, maybe only really if it's completely open. Yeah. Just pure perception. Yeah. And how quickly you know, perception itself is not conditioning. Right. It's just perception. And right. then and then it's it's a whole either historical or current mental distorted interpretation that turns it into something that we condition ourselves with. Right. And that's really the thing to break, I think. And it's it's so liberating to be able to have perception without mental interpretation of what it means it's like it just is <laughs> yeah and um and i can see what you're saying too about the completely open ajna with the completely for me with a completely open solar plexus mm -hmm. i can i can feel things or i can i can experience the perception of that emotional energy and yet i don't and i can appreciate it but i don't have to feel it I mm -hmm. really don't, you know, especially if I don't stay in the room. I mean, I'm going to feel yeah. it if it's, if it's around me, but that's not the thing I have to, I don't have to feel that. And I can feel with somebody's defined there. They, they, you have to feel that. Like you don't have a choice. You're yeah. you yeah. don't have a choice. Yeah. And I don't really have a choice either if I'm hanging out with you, but, yeah. um, but without you mm -hmm. could be anything, could be everything, you know, everything that's possible there. Right. Yeah. There's the, for, for me, it, like motor wise, motor wise, my ego is the only thing that I have completely open. I do have two completely open centers, which is, that's a lot to have completely open. Mm -hmm. The, my experience growing up with the ego beings, I was always around an ego being growing up. It was my mom, my grandma, my brother, I was always around the ego being and now that I've been in design, I know the difference between what 
healthy and unhealthy ego energy feels like and I actually learned more about what unhealthy ego energy feels like than anything because my family has healthy egos like I found that out I was like oh now I have a contrast right and then it went from because at one point I remember first like feeling unhealthy ego energy and really picking it up and I was like oh this is I don't like this at all and now it just moves through me mm. Now my mind doesn't say, ooh, this is, you know, this is foreign. This shouldn't be here. Uh, you know, now it just moves through me. I'm like, huh? Hi. <laughs> I know how to deal with you. <laughs> I know exactly how to deal with you. It's a very different, it's a very different process watching the energy just move through me. What uh, do you see as the main difference? The healthy and the unhealthy versions of the ego. main difference that I see is an imposing energy, it's an energy that's very imposing. And my will should be your will. My will should be your will. Yeah, my, my will should be your will. I can, you know, there's, there's also, you know, that there's a, it's basically saying, I have a defined ego, you don't. And then they get zapped really hard with my emotional system. But it's, you know, it's, 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 the, it's, it's that and it's always like, hmm. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. You know, it's like, and then it's like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. Here's emoting, but <laughs> I, that's um, <laughs> that's usually that's usually what happens. You know, then I have to what is Rod describes it as frying, get fried with somebody's emotional system. You know, it's a uh, that's it's very much the imposing energy, and and uh, yeah, my will should be your will. Uh, yeah, I have willpower. You don't. It's. Yeah, that's if I was to kind of put it into words, it's very much that sometimes there's the overworking. And I think that's the main thing that, that I pick up that I work with with clients is, is the overworking and the amount that they give the amount that an ego being can give that they that the other and the way that I see things doesn't necessarily deserve from mm. the ego being mm. Um, mm. especially with like 3740s. Yeah, gave so much, especially with 3740s. It's just always very, very rarely is there a 3740 that I have worked with that I don't say they don't deserve that. You're giving too much, you know. Um, you know I, I think that that's that's huge. It's the you know there there is this aspect that's imposing that you know it's just like huh well. Yeah, that's not okay, you know. And then there's also this this aspect where it's like the ego is pushing so much to give, and it's not receiving. Mm. Um, for me, as somebody that grew up around ego beings that are very giving, I think that's where things hit home for me. You know, seeing the amount of, of work ethic from my family members, mm. my mom, my brother, my grandma, and what they're willing to give. Uh, for the people that they care about yeah uh, and you know that's not necessarily for ego beings it's, it's a lot of times it's not reciprocated uh, so it's different you know it's not like there's a lack of health there like there is when the ego is imposing a lot but i think that whatever's connected to it that's where it can show up whether it's the emotional system or the g or the spleen uh, or the throat that's where i see it show up mm. You know, it's, it's, that's my main concern when I'm working with ego beings is how much they're giving and not receiving. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's more interaction wise if I come across a defined ego that I that I feel the imposing or, or you know or, or something like that. It's, it's, it's that's usually where, where it comes in. That is great thing is I get to zap them and then I'm just yeah I'm on my way. I got things to do. But mm-hmm. uh, clients, what client wise, I think that that's probably where the geometry comes in. Is is my understanding of an ego that gives so much, you know, and, and isn't appreciated, and, yeah. and I'm able to to feel into that and and give appropriate guidance yeah Yeah, that's cool yeah i can feel that even from my little hanging gate 40 is uh probably Mm. been my biggest my biggest thing to to work with in in Mm. decommissioning it's a it's such a self-sacrificer it's really brutal yeah and it's um yeah, you really need an authority to assess a good deal, you know, or a right, a fair exchange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, 40 definitely can give. We definitely can give. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and just, you know, openness when we're wherever the openness is conditioned, you know, it's, it's a, uh, can give give a lot right it's, it's, uh, I think I probably I think my openness my 59s where my, where things happen for me is mm-hmm. when I'm yeah I connect to a six and there's a bond there with the six and I you know in 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 that sense then all of a sudden my uh, enough is enough is gone very quickly it's yeah. gone very quickly uh, and as somebody that my undefined sacral is really the that's that's kind of that's where i go to school that's where i have the most hanging gates i really i think that that's that's where my giving can can really come in and in the sense of having a try you know a, a tribal activation in the undefined center and the, the giving that happens uh, from somebody that's tribal, the support that happens from somebody that's tribal is, is something that's that is very great and very significant. I can, I think I can relate in that sense to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where you can really see that the, the undefined centers don't have their own consistent intelligence. They just don't. Yeah. So okay. you can't, you kind of can't expect them to because they just don't have it. Yeah. So you know, I, I can relate I have a lot of activation in the sacral as well. And where it's not activated, there's almost always something pointing at it. And it's, yeah. there's no way I'm going to know when enough is enough from that place. Mm-hmm. If I, if I, there's no waiting for the energy to stop. It's not going to stop. Right. Yeah, it's it's not a, yeah it's not something that you're gonna feel in your body. <laughs> it's something like, to be there there where there has to be the awareness of watching, of, of watching watching our minds, watching ourselves, and the awareness of how we feel. To make sure that we disconnect when when we need to disconnect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that you have people in your life that can let you go. Mm -hmm. who aren't so afraid of that that they are going to demand to hold on to you all the time right yeah 
Oh, I know. I've got an emotional system. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let me go. <laughs> it's for our. It's for all of our benefit. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you feel good. You you have to stay here. No, I, I gotta go. <laughs> Not for much longer. Yeah. yeah getting charged up. Mexican standoff of projectors. <laughs> Are you gonna which say verbal gunslingers? Who's gonna, gonna sit there wearing? Yeah, which verbal gunslinger? Who's gonna sit there wearing? It's longer. <laughs> the guns in the holsters. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. Is there anything? Anything you wanted to pull from me? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> this is, I've actually been finding this. I have a, I have some experience sometimes working with people where they don't really know. Some people really don't know why they're getting in front of me. They just kind of are moved to. And then we get there and it's like, we're just being together. And there isn't always a lot to say, which is funny. <laughs> funny for a verbal gunslinger. I was about to say, yeah, especially for a verbal gunslinger, because we mm -hmm. we very much can go for two hours, three hours, uh, and it's with it, it's no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I think that we had our. We had our mutative cap. Maybe so. Yeah. I appreciate it, Amy. Oh, yeah. it's an honor. Always an honor to be able to have communion with you and to see you and receive your your wisdom. It's always something that I really appreciate. Thanks, Peyton. Yeah. Nice to be with you. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for coming on. You're very welcome. Yeah. It's my pleasure. Really? Thank you, Amy.